before we get started in Dynamite After Dark, I, I have to say that there's a lot of things that I can put up with, up with in professional wrestling. Um, but one cannot put up with and will not tolerate. And will not watch any of his matches that continue to happen is Sean Spears using the sharpshooters as a fan. I cannot tolerate that ever. <laughs> you actually lasted longer than I thought you would. I didn't think you were. Right at the top of the, top of the show. I know, but you actually introduced the show first. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dynamite After Dark. I'm your host, Sandman Shane Sabunia, along with my good buddy, the Honorable Jeff. Hello. And and we are your your live instant reaction here on Lords of Pain Radio, uh, also broadcasting on YouTube regarding uh, AEW Dynamite. So. And if you are listening um, yeah. on YouTube, go ahead, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, ring the notification bell, and. If anyone has any advice on my audio, I would greatly appreciate it. I've tried every setting I can find. Anyway. Yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, Sean Spears had a squash match tonight, which, which, is, which was just stupid in the first place. Who the fuck was this Spears against? A nobody. Um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, the, him using a sharpshooter to win a match just made my blood boil completely. I think that after tonight, uh, the first one is maybe it's just me, uh, and I'm sure it probably is, but I don't want to see the champ defended on pay-per-view. Championship should not be defended on pay-per-view. I mean, I, I, I'm okay with a TV championship because technically it's still TV, but a TNT championship should only be defended. Yeah. <laughs> not on a, on a pay-per-view. I, I just, that's my first thought is that why is this, you know, I get a big time matchup. You know, it's something they've been building to for months. Um, but at the same time, it's a TNT championship. It should be, def- it should be wrestled for on TNT, not on a, a not on double or nothing, not pay-per-view. I, I, I really don't understand the the idea of the two guys that won tonight facing each other, each other for the television for the TNT championship. The reason I say that is because I still don't know what, what the roster is going to look like for that pay per view. In my no. you know in my opinion, maybe they, maybe they do more know more than we know, and I mean I'm sure they know more than we know, but maybe they do know have a good lineup already set for it. But I would but I would think that they'd want to kind of hedge their bets and have two big matches on there, not just one. For guarantee, you know, for sure, and and therefore I would have had, you know, Rhodes and um, and Archer lose their matches tonight, and still have a personal issue at double or nothing, and then have Allen and Dustin Rhodes be fighting over the championship at double or nothing. Well, I, regardless, I don't think it should be fought over on double green. It's called the TNT champ. But the title is in the first place. But since they are doing it and they are doing it on the pay-per-view, I just think that it would, would make more sense to have two big matches set up than just one. From these I think matches. regardless, Archer um, losing would have been a huge bad call. I'm borderline questioning whether tonight's match was a bad call for Archer. When you're tra- making him this dominant, you know, in every match he's been in, he's just completely destroyed his and, and that includes Cole. Cole barely got any offense in. For him to go 30 minutes and look beatable against Dustin, 
uh, I, I'm not, I'm going to have to think about it, but it, it almost kind of hurt what they were trying to portray with Archer up to this point. You, why do you think that? I mean, he's, he's facing off against a veteran who's almost exactly the same size as him. Well, and sense for him not to have a, a tough battle against him. It, it just with the way that they've been portraying him, maybe a, a match against somebody, a grizzled veteran, maybe a little bit smaller. I mean, if, if they were going to do this, it was the perfect guy to do it was Dustin because he's, you know, like you said, 31 year vet. He's um, same size and everything. So it makes sense. But at the same time, I think it took a little bit away from Archer's dominant mystique. At some point, they're going to have to take, take away from Archer's dominant mystique, don't you think? I mean, yeah, but I just I feel like it forever. No, I just feel like it's too early. It's too early into his run. It's too early into, it's too early into his run for him to be wrestling for a championship too. But they don't seem to care about that either. So. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It just it it kind of harkens back to the way everybody got bent out of shape about William Regal actually giving Bill Goldberg a match. I'm sorry, but William Regal what? Giving Bill Goldberg a match or Steven Regal at the time. Oh. You know, it just, it's, it's too early for him to be that. And I don't want to say that he was, you know, he, it was, it's a similar, it's the same situation because Goldberg was ridiculously exposed. And I don't think that Archer was. I just, I feel like he should have been a little bit more dominant in his win. I, the, it, with the story that they told at the end with them throwing in the towel and all that stuff, it, it just seemed a little bit out of place because I never, you know, 30 seconds before that, I didn't feel like Dustin was getting his ass kicked to the point where he needed to be, have someone throw in the towel for him. I think, no, Dustin was dominated for a lot of the match. So. Uh, it just didn't, it didn't seem like he was that far out of it, that they had to bring in the storyline of throwing in the towel. No, that was just a way to get Cody out there at the same time as um, Archer. That's all that was. But that, if, to to me, that was just it, there were a couple of missteps that I would I would have rather seen differently. I'm not going to complain about it. It was a good match. It, you know, we'll see where Archer goes from here. Maybe he continues to be dominant. Maybe not. Obviously, he won't against Cody. Um, but I, I, there was a few little missteps that I think. Could have been done better. I think if if Dustin had been actually dominated to the point where he should have had the towel thrown in, that would have made more sense than him, uh, you know, damn near getting a three count on Archer and then 30 seconds later having uh, CT Marshall or QT, whatever the hell his name is, um, try to throw the towel in. Well, you know... It- even like a little bit before that, I don't think I've ever seen a referee just allow someone to get had their head slashed into a, to an exposed turnbuckle and let the match continue. Right. So I mean that to me was a big mistake as well. Yeah, there were a few little missteps like that, but all in all, I, I mean, I, I, and the two commercial breaks in the middle of the main event hurt it, just like the two commercial breaks in the opening match hurt it. There was, and there was three, and I think there was three in both. Was there two or three in both of these matches? I can't remember. Maybe it was I don't, two. All I know is I, I, the first match, there were two within the first 20 minutes. Yeah. You know, they, they did their little opening. They had their commercial break after the match started. And then 
10 minutes later, they had another commercial break. Yeah. You know, it was the commercial breaks where there were too many and too, um, too close together to really give us the drama that we needed to, needed to get out of both those matches. I agree. I mean, there, there was a, there were a few other there was there were some pacing issues with this episode, including including those commercial breaks. But also, I thought having the two squash matches so close together was a mistake too. You know? Yeah, but at least they didn't have three in a row like they did the you know a couple weeks before. And again, a lot of that's the the talent they're working with. Keep in mind, these were all pre-recorded almost a month ago now. Right, so, I'm, not saying they should, I'm not saying not have the matches. I'm saying that <coughs> I'm, sorry, I'm talking about the pacing of them. Like you should, like I think that that Sean Spears' abomination should have been right after the opening match, and then you have the tag match, and then you have the um, and then you have the uh, Exalted One versus People McNugget match. You know, I all in all, just having those two back to back, I thought was was a bit um, a bit much. I mean, all in all, they had five oh, matches. Know, I about, but I forget about the Wardlow match. So I guess they kind of. I guess they kind of had. Maybe they did space it out. Maybe that did work out right. Because I guess they did match. have six matches, didn't they? Yeah. So I guess either way, you would have you would have had to have two squash matches in a row in there. They had I, nothing. I guess it depends on you consider the uh, Brody Lee match a squash match or not. But I kind of do. So. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, Marco didn't give much. Um, he gave a little bit more against Brody Lee than he did against Lance Archer, but he still didn't give much. But yeah, so this uh, unless you want to unless you want to start the match with a squash the show the squash match which we which we both agreed was terrible a few weeks ago, um, right? I guess they, I guess they really did what they could with those with the matches that they had. I mean, they did they did go against their formula. They had six matches, not a single woman on the mat on the night, except for Penelope and then Britt hitting uh, Cody with a shoe. There was no not even a woman's segment. There was nothing on this episode. There was a there was a Chelsea Green segment. Was there? I, I totally fell asleep during that. Did you really? If there was, if there if there was, I fully fell asleep during that part, and I don't remember it at all. The only the only only thing I saw was uh, her hitting Cody with the shoe, and then um, Penelope Ford. I didn't see anything else from the women all night. Yeah, well, the with her where where they had like her makeup person was talking and about how they, how she did the makeup for for Chelsea and then and then uh, Baker pulled her aside and, and when they came back she, she said oh what I meant to say was how amazing it is that Miss Baker lets me do her makeup for her oh. yeah I totally missed that totally missed that about Skio, Skiavone's teeth and um, saying that she would that you know sometimes a role model is like what not to do like not to have bad teeth or something you know, and I'm I'm perfectly okay if um, Jericho retires and we just get Jericho and Skiavone as the announced team going forward. I still think it's too much chatter. I I think he talks a lot, but at least he's entertaining talking. He, yeah, he it is entertaining talking, but it, but so there's still times I don't feel like that the, the match has a moment to breathe with all the talking going on. Yeah, that's true. Um. Not to say they couldn't get better over time, too, but the stuff about the stuff about Texas at the end was just cracking me up. <laughs> Where like you couldn't get to Texas, so then he thinks of us, so got to see them all in a row. <laughs> there was another moment that he had when he was uh, oh when he was screaming about how Archer needs to punch Pineapple Pete in the face. I thought that was pretty humorous too. Yeah, 
he again he again had some pretty good one-liners throughout the show. He did. And next week is a live episode, which I'm looking forward to. The uh, I really enjoyed the opening match tonight, other than the commercials in it, but I I hated the finish. Yeah, that was. I mean, I mean, they talk so much on commentary about how when you're a pro wrestler, you're trained not to not to land on your back, you know, stand back as much as possible. You know, you have an instinct to kick out when the three counts going on, and I mean, can you? I mean, really, that kind of finish makes Darby Allen look like a complete idiot. Yep, because his whole finishing move is lay on his back, and now everybody knows that was watching that. All you have to do to counter that is to slightly roll to your side. Yep, and then but then also he didn't even know his shoulders were down. Are you kidding me? Right. Yeah, he just kind of sat there. Yeah, there was a there was a, that was a that was a misstep. I thought the match itself was fine, um, not as good as their first two, but definitely it, it was it was it was good for what it was. Um, the ending was sucked. The ending sucked. I thought the tag match was really really well done. I really enjoyed no, we're not it. Not done with the opening match yet. So we're not. Um, you had more. Yes, I do have more because oh. I mean it, I thought it was great that Cody finally didn't use didn't use a belt against his opponent in a match, but I guess but probably only because his opponent's a baby face. But he still showed what a scumbag he is by throwing not only throwing his opponent into his wife, but then when his opponent goes to check on his wife, kicking his opponent in the face. What a fucking asshole move that was! Didn't Jericho call him out for the belt shot too? Uh, he may have, but I, but I'm saying, but I'm saying that, you know, I, I think this this whole thing about Cody being a babyface is just overblown because he he does something heelish and and scumbaggy in every match now. Yeah, he always has. He has since the first uh, since his match against Dustin. He's always I, I, been. Yeah, I just I just, I just want to understand how Cody Rhodes is a, is a babyface. I, I I've said that since day one that Cody's the biggest tweener on the on the um on the roster who's only getting baby face pops because he's the uh, the face of AEW. All right, fair enough. You know, it's I mean, he is as far as I'm concerned, he's been nothing but a heel since day 1. But because he's you know, he's the guy who's the biggest face of of the bunch of the elite of the people that started AEW because he was the guy that was really front and center even though he's no bigger a part of it than Nick and Matt and and Kenny um he's the guy that everybody for some reason seems to love and give credit to for starting AEW and you know I'm okay with it because he's also the guy that is front and center on all the interviews he's always the guy um you know that they're quoting in the media, you know, things like he's always got a quote for something. So I'm, I'm kind of okay with it, but at the same time, I think he gets a, a little more love than he deserves when the other three deserve some of that same love that he gets. And I also think that he is a straight up heel character that is being cheered to the point where he is, um, being forced into a baby face. But he's a lot like Hogan with taking the shortcuts, using the weight belt. Um, you know, the only thing he's not doing is the eye poke. Uh, otherwise, he's exactly like Hogan was. Hogan was a big time heel, but he was loved by the crowd, so he was a babyface. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And, and you know, I, I think I think he really solidified himself as being the ultimate heel when he when he knew when he got a stupid tattoo, knowing it was a stupid tattoo. When his wife begged him not to get it, 
And he still got the fucking thing. So. Begged him not to get it. Huh? I didn't know his wife begged him not to get it. She should have threatened us if he'd gotten it, because that is the worst tattoo ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how she could possibly make love to a guy with that thing on it. Just a horrible, horrible idea. All right, move on to the tag match now. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I, I really enjoyed the tag match. I I, I liked every part of it. I loved um, uh, Orange Cassidy getting hit in the face with that chair shot from Jimmy Havoc and then just crumbling. Uh, and then, of course, to make his triumphant return at the end. I, I just... I. I was really entertained with this and I, and I'm usually not so entertained with, um, with the, uh, uh, no DQ matches and all the weapons and especially a Jimmy Havoc match. Cause they're all the same with the weapons, but this, I was actually very entertained with. I was too. I really enjoyed that tag match. It was, it was the match of the night for sure. Yeah. That's, I thought so too. Yeah. Um, and I, and I really like the ladder they've used the last couple of weeks. You know, I mean, I know we, I didn't like the way they used it last week, but I, but I think that ladder is just it's it's like an actual ladder people are getting slammed on and hurt on. It's not like a gimmicked up ladder that bounces like you see in the other promotions. Or the aluminum ladders that just crumple when they get touched. Right. Yeah it it looks like that one hurts. That one looks like it hurts a lot. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess we can say the same thing about the ladder wars ones we've seen recently in. In ROH as well, but I mean, it kind of stands out when it's something that's live on national television, and when it's not something you're used to seeing on that on it. I mean, at this point, we're used to seeing ladders in Ring of Honor. We're not used to seeing them yet in AEW. True. So it kind of stands out a little bit more because it, it has there even been a ladder match in AEW yet? Oh, the the um, Lucha Brothers and the Bucks. Yeah, the es- Escalaria de la Marte. Yeah. But other than that, there hasn't been a ladder match. Correct. So, I mean... I mean it, that's good. I, I, want them, I want them to be very serious with their gimmick matches. Yeah, I, it's, I, I'm okay with that, too. And that's another reason why I'm not a big fan of these no-DQ matches when Jimmy Havoc's involved, because it, it, it's, it got to be so much in MLW. Like, it was, it was a weekly thing. There was one of these hardcore matches. And I just don't, I don't want to see, you know, AEW fall down that slope too, because it's so easy to do. It pops the crowds when they are some, you know, it's, it has its moments, but it can wear out quick. Yeah. Which is why I don't like that they're doing the, the, the street fight tag match a week after doing a street fight tag match. There's another street fight tag match coming. Yeah. Next week it's, uh, less sexy gods versus Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega. Oh, I didn't listen. I didn't realize that was a street fight. You know, and I don't say it here, but was it two years we were singing Matt Hardy's praises, sending him off into retirement? What's that? Remember when Matt Hardy retired and we spent half an episode praising him and calling up his greatest moments and all this stuff? I feel like we should go back and delete that show to never be aired again. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Matt Hardy retirement show? Pretty much, yeah, because he retired like the day we were going live. And we we did our you know our normal show and then we spent like a half an hour praising Matt Hardy and how great he was and how much he meant to the business and all this stuff. And now he's back, older well, and wiser. Just there. We're, not, I'm not, we're not really sure Matt Hardy's back. 
Well, Matt Hardy did an interview at least last week. That's true. But so I don't. Is, but really, his essence is being is is the essence of Damascus living in the body of Matt Hardy these days. Ah, okay. We need to bring back the broken universe, the whole universe. Just bring it all back. He he did say that <laughs> that he really that he does want to bring it back when the time is right on AEW. You know, he wants to bring Re- Re- Rebecca in and um and uh, I think I can't think of his son's name, but you know, you know he's got three of them, so you know bring them all in eventually. And um, but I but I think the time has to be right for that. Yeah, and I suppose right now it's not really right because they're you know they're. He hasn't had a match yet. They're not in any uh, other than his Jericho feud. I guess they are kind of doing it right with just having Vanguard 1 and all that stuff. Or is it 2 now? Is it Vanguard 2? I think they just called it Vanguard. I don't think they've set a number on it yet. Uh, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was one, either one or two. I don't, I don't remember. But um, Bubbly Bunch is up after that. And this was my absolute favorite Bubbly Bunch ever. I want Montreal Melee to happen every week. <laughs> that was pretty great. Lou Ferrigno you know, with a taser. Vincent was in there. They had, uh, and then ending it with Vicky, that was just, that was great. I loved it. You know, and Jericho at the end, like, was that Lou Ferrigno with, ta- with a taser? It was perfect because I was thinking, I was thinking, the whole, I was thinking that as well. I was like, is that Lou Ferrigno? No, I knew, it was, I knew it was Lou Ferrigno, but the taser part was like, really? The Hulk is using a taser? What the hell? And then for him to call it back again at the end was great. And then yeah, Jay and Silent Bob was, was fantastic as well. Yep, Jay and Silent Bob and, and bringing in some of the, um, who's, oh, when they first showed Peter Avalon get hit, I was like, oh, where are they going with this? And then they started bringing in all the other guys, and it, it really hit oh, its And part. then Jungle Boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, swinging out. Jungle Boy swinging out and... um. <laughs> I, I love Vincent getting knocked out of his chair and then picking up his photographs. Yeah. Because that, that, that one actually might have been my favorite one because he'd gotten in so much trouble for uh, setting up autograph signings just to make a little extra money. Oh, he did? I didn't know about oh, that. Oh, yeah. He, um, he, he unfortunately went broke, so he'll like go to an airport and set up – it's all secondhand. I'm not going to say for sure this is exactly what happened, but you know, it'd be things like he would just show up at an airport, set up a table, and try to charge people for his autograph. Oh, I think it's great you called him Vincent because when he, when you know, when he was also, you know, he, he's also his Virgil, and he has like, and his actual name is the most like generic name ever. I have no clue what his actual name is, but it, Mike it, Jones. <laughs> after after he was part of the NWO, he'll always be Vincent to me. Okay, fair enough. Plus, it makes fun. It makes fun of uh, Vince McMahon as opposed to making fun of Dusty Rhodes. So, yeah, I, I loved. I liked that so much. Then, and my wife's such a big fan of GSI and Bob that I think uh, this weekend I'm gonna I'm gonna make her sit down and just I'm gonna get it set up to watch just for that part of Dynamite. Have her watch that segment. The other part I loved was the whole Jay and Silent Bob when Kevin Smith or well Silent Bob was on the screen. The music shut off. Oh, did it? I didn't know. Yeah, that. yeah, that was that was a cool little touch too, because it was Silent Bob, so they couldn't have it in the background. Of course. I thought that I I just I loved that whole segment this week, and I love the fact they were arguing over who won the flick uh, flim flam challenge and all that stuff. Yeah, I was disappointed and, that the, the couple times that they showed that they were you know previewing the bubbly bunch, they showed the flim flam by Jericho and not by Jake Hager. 
The one by Jake Hager was definitely the best. Yeah. So uncoordinated. He, and then he of has course, shown recently such a flair for comedy that I, I'm really enjoying his stuff. The other really probably the line of the night, and, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, um, but probably the line of the night was uh, Moxley screaming into the camera to call your grandmother. <laughs> I thought that was great. I laughed for probably a good two minutes after that. Yeah, but it's pretty lame that his big announcement was that he was going to be live next week. Well, I mean, it, it, that was MJF's big announcement, too. You know, MJF had his promo where he announced he was going to be live next week, too, to save us all. Because yeah, he really cares. Yeah, but, I mean, come on. It, you know, John Moxley has had, like, one match in, like, four or five weeks, whereas MJF has not been able to wrestle because of these life-threatening injuries. I mean, he almost, I mean, he almost died from, a, from a, his neck being cut. Wait, what? What? I didn't know about this. Yeah, you know, the last week he had a life-threatening hangnail, and this week he cut himself oh. on the neck and he could have died from it. I thought there was some something legitimately happened with his uh, match against Cody, where you know he got his neck cut or something. I wow, I need to go to bed. Do you not pay attention to these? <laughs> well, I, I was so focused on the one last week with this hangnail that I didn't really, um, I kind of got bits and pieces of this one, but I didn't realize that he'd cut his neck shaving. I, I was wondering what the neck brace was for. He said it right in the promo. <laughs> uh, that could have been when my kid called too, so there is that. <laughs> wow. Because my kid did call around that time, so he, I might have been hanging up with him when that promo started. That's funny because you you missed the Brit promo and you and you missed most of the MJF promo apparently. And that was probably back to back, wasn't it? I no. What was back to back was the um, Scorpio Sky into in, into MJF. That they did that back to back. Oh yeah, and I just completely ignored the Scorpio Sky thing because I don't understand why he's getting um, multiple episodes with vignettes now. Showing it reminds his... me of when they did that with Mick Foley and, and Jim Ross, and I and I just I just think that this would have been a lot better if Jim Ross was doing the interview more. Yeah, possibly instead of him just talking. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've tuned out the Scorpio Sky uh, vignettes the last two weeks because I just I don't understand why he's getting why he's getting that kind of run. But some of these other guys that really deserve it, like where's Pac vignette? Where's a Lucha Brothers vignette? You know, if they're going to do vignettes of people, they maybe should do vignettes of people that are not around and that are top stars. Yeah, but I've been I've been arguing this point for the last since Dynamite started that they shouldn't be treating Scorpio Sky like a top star. And you've argued with me the entire time, and now you're saying that they, and now you're, now they're treating him like a top star. You're like, why are they treating him like a top star? I, what is with you tonight? I didn't argue that they. I didn't think they ever were treating him like a top star. I, I said oh, they that absolutely his, did. They, I they, said that they his he was the hottest guy in the company. They made him. He, he was winning all the tag team matches for them. He had the, he had like the second or third title match against Chris Jericho. They absolutely were treating him like a top star. I think that he could be a breakout performer if SCU ever breaks out, breaks up, and he turns heel. But other than that, I don't ever see him being a top star in his current current uh, current role. 
But they were definitely pushing him that way for the first two or three months of Dynam. Yeah, that I'm not going to disagree with. They definitely were. I just I don't believe that he'll ever be a top star as long as he stays a baby face in a trio. Yeah, I mean obviously. He needs to have some kind of character to him and right now all he has is athletic ability. And you know, we've talked about that before, vanilla baby face number 12. That's pretty much Kip Sabian except Kip Sabian at least is getting a little bit of a darker edge to him. Yeah, and Kip Sabian has penalty forward with him. Right. And Sean Spears has a chair. <laughs> well, eventually he'll have Tully Blanchard back, too. But yeah. yeah, when it's safe for Tully to travel again. Anything else on this episode? Not really. I mean, I, I, I was okay with it, but I also had some issues with it. I, I, I thought they had three very solid matches, um, two of which got really hurt by commercial breaks um, and bad ending slash storytelling at the end of the match. Uh, and I thought the tag match was wonderful. The squash matches were what they were, you know, just more ways to get over the actual faces, which I I'm okay with it because we've been talking for Jesus five years about how we wish squash matches would return. So I'm okay with them having three squash matches on a show on an episode. I, it doesn't bother me at all. It gets Brody Lee over. It gets, uh, or Mr. Brody, I'm sorry, gets him over. It, in a way, it kind of gets Sean Spears a little bit more over, even though you hate him. Uh, and I can't remember who the other squash match was. Oh, Wardlow. It was Wardlow. Okay. Yeah. So I don't, I mean, I don't have a problem with the squash matches because I think it helps solidify talent a little bit. Um, I wish. I have, a problem, I, I have a problem with Sean Spears being in a squash match. Let's, let's, be, let's be clear. I, wasn't a, I had a problem with the other two. It was Sean Spears having one. I had a fucking problem. There were there were two things because, I thought of this week. They're going to make him a tag team wrestler, which they which they've been saying which they've been saying for months. He shouldn't be having a single squash match. Same thing with Dustin. <laughs> he shouldn't be putting his career on the line against Kip Sabian if he's in the middle of starting up a tag team. Yeah, but we already we already made that argument when they, when they first announced the um, seating for the tournament that he shouldn't be in the tournament because he's supposed to be a tag team wrestler. Right. You know, and one thing I thought of this week, and wouldn't it? And I was. Actually, there were two things I thought of, and they both go back to 1980s wrestling. I'm glad you had two thoughts this week. That's awesome. It was two more than last week, so it was a win-win for this week. Um, They both go back to 1980s WWF. Two things I really wish that AEW would do, especially since they're now kind of doing these squash matches, which is what I want. I want to see these kind of things. But they need to have that picture-in-picture picture during the entrance with whoever they're uh, trying to build a program up against, uh, cutting a promo on them as they're walking to the ring. I would love to see. And the other thing I would love to see is remember in the 80s when every single wrestler had their own logo? Yes. Like they would show, they would bring up their name, and it would be a, you know honky tonk man. He'd have a pick that blue guitar, and then you know um, Jake the Snake would have his uh, a python sticking out of the bag, and Macho Man would have his sunglasses. I would love to see something like that come back, where every single um, every single wrestler has their own logo again. That would be awesome. <laughs> I love both those ideas, Chuck. They were both. I was. I was just sitting here going, God, you know what really stinks, and I really wish would come back, and it's a perfect time because AEW is kind of bringing back the squash matches, 
and both those ideas don don and then i went and watched uh, some um wwf superstars uh, and saturday night's main event on on wwe network just so i could see it because <laughs> i have that in my head now fair enough so all right yeah but other than that i i man i got nothing i got nothing on this one it was it was a de- it was a decent enough episode i'm not gonna hate on it i'm not gonna say i loved it dearly i like i said we kind of cut down the the bad parts and the good parts the one great match one great promo um or vignette um a couple of you know a good promo by mjf a good promo by moxley a couple of decent matches that got hurt by bad storytelling you know other than that it was it was a really good tv episode i enjoyed two hours yeah i think they're back on track as far as having strong episodes um this definitely was a strong episode even even if you know there was there was things that we didn't like about it um and I'm looking forward to seeing what they what they start building towards next uh, next week's episode, where you know they've got they've got basically like three weeks of TV now to build to, or wait four weeks four weeks of TV and, to build towards double or nothing. So um, it'll be interesting to see what they what they do with that and and how they build everything up. Um, when we talked we and talked about and, this and who they're going to have available to build toward, to build with. We talked about this last night. It, it's actually working out perfectly. They want to do two live episodes before. Um, double or nothing. So you have the live episode next week and you film two more and then you have the go home show be a live episode. It were, it actually works out perfectly in their favor. Yeah, it really does. So, so, but all right guys, if you're listening, hopefully, um, Lord's pain radio, you can hear us on, you can also hear us on YouTube, which if you are listening on YouTube, go ahead, hit the like button, subscribe button, ring the notification bell, leave a comment. All that stuff is fantastic. Um, also our Patreon page, patreon.com slash kingdom of honor. Uh, you can go there, get all of our archives. We just put up an exclusive show last night for all of our listeners, um, that are, uh, top tier subscribers. Uh, it's a recap of death before dishonor from 2011 with ring of honor. And, um, you know, of course our Twitter, everything we do use hashtag DAD or hashtag KOH. Also, I am at Regi co-op. He is at Zanman LOP and you can find us there pretty nice and easy. Um, <coughs> there was a story that came out that I saw like, right before we went on the air that we might want to talk about next week on Kingdom of Honor, if, if there's more to the story or, or bills in the next few days that Vince McMahon may be looking at selling um, the WWE to ESPN and Fox. Yeah, I saw up, that it's too. Come up a few times over the years, and um, but every time it comes up, it seems like there's a little bit more heat to it. So um, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to see if there's more to that story in the next few days we could talk about on, on Monday. But what we'll, de- what we'll definitely be talking about on Monday is the second part of Impact's Rebellion pay-per-view. And you didn't get any of the results, right? I have not. Have you? Okay, yeah. I got lamba- I got slammed with a couple of um, notifications because I guess something really big happened last night. So stay away from your notifications. Don't click on Google so that you don't have it ruined for you. But it'll okay. definitely be it, – it'll – it ties in with yesterday, and it'll definitely be something worth talking about on Tuesday. Yeah, you know, I, I realized that last night, like when you, like you, you, you like started talking about, you know, would they really have the world title change at this time? And then you said something else, and I kind of lost my thread. But I was going to respond to that. I was going to say, well, I think what would I think what would be really cool is if like Michael came out there was like declaring himself the new champion, and then, then they had a surprise come out there to 
to wrestle for that championship, like for the vacant title. But well, I guess we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna keep my mouth shut. So. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Um, so tomorrow night is MCLP Radio Adventure. On Friday is the WWF The Legacy Series, and then um, that's what we got going on. We'll try to do it next time. This is Shane saying long days, pleasant nights, and Jeff saying goodbye. G1 Climax 27. Goodbye and good night.